Amen. Well, good to have you all here this morning. We're getting into our second week of our series called Behold, and this is a series dealing with the subject of worship, the subject of worship. What does it look like when we have a correct response to who Jesus is? Last week, we began to look at Mary and her response to who Jesus was. If you missed last week, please go back, listen to the podcast, watch the Facebook Live, um, just kind of catch up a little bit. This week, we're going to be looking at the shepherds and their response. Next week, we'll be looking at the wise men and their response. Let me just say it this way. When we have an encounter with who Jesus is, there ought to be a response, amen? It ought to cause us to live life differently, not just sing different on Sunday, but submit differently on Monday, amen? Not just have a dance on our church service time. You like this? This was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, not just have a dance on Sunday, but to have a decision to live how God would have us to live Monday through Saturday. There ought to be a response to worship. There ought to be a response of worship to Jesus. And, and this last week, yesterday, I had such a neat experience. Um, Pastor Marvin, you all know we love Pastor Marvin and Bettina, amen? Yeah, yeah. And um, that young man, I'm telling you, he just bought his first house ever. Praise God. House, because that means he stuck with us a long time. But here's the thing about him buying that house. That man right now, all his life, until he went to the Marines, he lived on a couch. That was his bedroom, a couch in the living room was his bedroom. And yesterday, we got to walk the property, and we got to look in all these rooms, room after room after room after room. I mean, it was blowing my mind. And the whole time we were there, it was like this. He wasn't saying, Ross, look at my house, look at my house, look at my house, look at my house. All he was saying was, Ross, look at my God, look at my God, look at my God. This young man that should have, like every single person on his street, most of them, he told me, ended up in prison. None of them went to college. None of them went to serve the Marines. None were serving Jesus. But man, Marvin, through the years, and he wasn't perfect, he'll tell you. But through the years, man, God has allowed him to, to serve him. And, and Marvin, if you all know Pastor Marvin, he's a worshiper. That's just who he is. He has this correct response to who Jesus is. And that response is a response of worship. And, and it's not just singing. I mean, it's worship. Whatever you tell me to do, Jesus, I'll do. That's just who he is, you know? And so all day yesterday was, look at my God, look at my God. We finished off the day looking at an outbuilding. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I don't even have an outbuilding. How in the world did God give Marvin an outbuilding? I love it. We're standing there looking at this outbuilding. I mean, this thing's probably 30 by 40, 20 by 40. It's a big old building, you know? And we're standing there two guys all of a sudden get overwhelmed by the goodness of Jesus and we just start shouting and praying and weeping before the Lord and thanking God for being the Jehovah Jireh the God that provides and I mean we're just sitting there weeping two grown men just responding to the goodness of who Jesus is in that moment and I just I just could not think a better way to go into this weekend celebrating who Jesus is and just taking that moment to celebrate with Marvin what God gave him and you may say, Pastor, that's just a house. Man, I know what that young man's went through through his whole life. That wasn't just a house. That was a testament of the faithfulness of God to a young man that has given Jesus his whole life. Man, 
And I'll tell you right now, there's not too many folk like Pastor Marvin and Bettina who literally their lives are lived out in a correct response to Jesus. Because when Jesus is doing something, when Jesus has made himself known, we ought to respond accordingly. Guess what that response is called? It's called worship. Amen? And I'm not talking about just singing. It's a response of our lifestyles. You know, today is the, the, the last day of Hanukkah. It's the eighth day today. And the idea of the festival of life, the idea that God's provision came and that, that oil did not run dry. That what God is, He's a supply. Amen? He never runs dry. That that light continued to burn in the temple all through those eight days miraculously. What I think is so beautiful when it comes to people that live out that Jewish faith piously, there's a sense of, of, of duty to know God through activity, through actions. It's called a mitzvot. And this idea of the law, they're living it. Now we understand, we can't live up to them all, right? There's no way, 613, we're gonna mess it up, amen? And so we know Jesus comes and his grace comes. But shouldn't grace drive us to more, not less? Shouldn't grace drive us to more, not less? Shouldn't we live a life that says, God, my decisions today are a mitzvot, a, 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 a practice of the law towards you because you're so good. Not legalism, but an expression of worship, amen? All I'm telling you right now is when we begin to move like that as a people, it curries and brings the favor of God. I don't think it's an accident the favor of the Lord has been upon Pastor Marvin. He's a worshiper. And I don't believe it'll be an accident here at this house if we'll begin to have correct response of who God is in our lives, God will show up in this place in a significant way. That's really what Christmas is all about, God showing up. We've sung this morning about him being Emmanuel, God with us, a God who's with us, a God who's for us, a God that when he comes, nothing can stand against us. Shout amen. So that idea of Christmas, it's God bringing everything of his to the earth through the Son, through Jesus. Man, that's reason to celebrate. That's reason to shout. In a sense, as we walk in that, as we connect in that, as we're lifting up praise to God and He's inhabiting those praises, and powerful things can happen because Jesus shows up, amen? And I just want to be a house where we are a worshiping people, not a singing people. Yeah, we can sing and we can dance, that's part of it. But where we have worshipful hearts, hearts that correctly respond to the miracle that Jesus is. Hearts that correctly respond to the goodness of who Jesus is. I want us to be a house full of people who learn to correctly respond to who Jesus is on Monday through Saturday, amen? Come back on Sunday, we'll celebrate together, but man, submit on Monday and walk after him, amen? Because wherever Jesus is, worship should follow. When Jesus shows up, we should be worshiping, amen? What's crazy also on the other side of that, wherever worship is, for some reason, Jesus has ordained it to where he shows up. Amen? And so today, I'm gonna to minister a little from the Word and we're gonna get back into worship today and just offer the Lord our worship, set our hearts up to be worshipers in our daily life as we practice what He speaks to our heart. And I'm not talking about legalism, but when God tells you to do something, you doing it is worship. When God tells you to not do something, you're not doing it, guess what it is? It's worship, amen? Man, let's stand to our feet one more time. We're going to look at a scripture real quick, and then we'll get into this. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, a promise, a prophetic word about this Messiah that would come. 
It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government, the rule. Remember I told you last week, he is Lord. Amen? And so his leadership in our lives, his government in our lives, as we submit to that leadership, we get his glory. As we submit to that, he pours out in force in our lives. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase, shout increase. Shout it again, increase. I'm gonna give you a little secret. As I prayed about this series, Lord, I can't wait to January. I know where God is taking us in January. I know what God is setting us up for in 2019. About a month and a half, two months ago, the Lord began to speak to my heart about next year, this coming year. I know where he's heading us as a church. And I was praying, God, I don't want to just preach some nice Christmas series. Lord, I want you to set us up to repair our hearts, to receive what you want to do in our lives in January. So what do we do? And the Lord just laid in my heart, you got to be worshipers. I need to set you guys up for increase. Everybody shout, shout the word more. Say more. It's the word the Lord gave me for 2019. Shout more. Oh, he's going to bring more. I cannot wait to the series in January. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. But if God wants to bring that increase, we've got to walk in his government. And if God wants to do a work in a people, in a house, in a church, we've got to move in what he's desiring us to move in. Amen? And that's being worshipers. That's, that's exalting and elevating who he is above everything that we desire, what we want. What we wish, it's him first, us second. That lifestyle of a worshiper and of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, over the next few minutes, would you stir our heart, allow us to be those that embrace a response to you a full response to you, a response of worship. Allow us to, to get a better picture of who you are and go after you with everything that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. You can say hey to somebody on the way down. Amen. Can you thank our band? They're incredible. Amen. And so as we look last week, the angel of the Lord came to Mary, began to speak to Mary, and Mary's correct response to the angel of the Lord, declaring all that was going to happen, her correct response was, may it be to me or unto me as it is according to your, your word. And I taught you last week, beyond singing, her submitting was an act of worship to the Lord, and that God would desire for us to be the same kind of people when we respond to what God is speaking into our lives. Now, the next thing I want to look at is the idea of the shepherds. And we understand that, that um, the, 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 the call went out across the nation, that the, the Jewish people were to go back to their original cities of birth. There was going to be a, 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 a taxation that takes place, and they all gather. And for Joseph, he brings Mary, who is with child. He's, she's with child with Jesus. She, he brings her to the city of Bethlehem, which is called the, the house of bread. Beth is house. Laham or is, is the bread is bread, it's the house of bread. It's beautiful. And so Jesus, the bread of life, is going to be born in the city of bread. Amen. 
Yeah, yeah. It's as if God knew exactly what was going to happen, because he did. And so in the story, we see here that there are shepherds who are watching over their flocks by night, and next thing you know, a host of angels come. It says in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Luke, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Everybody shout behold. There it is again. Last week we saw a behold to Mary. This week we're seeing a behold to the shepherds. Behold, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There's an opportunity for the shepherds to have a response toward this word. This word comes over their life. A baby is born. And they have an opportunity now to just go on about business as usual or to respond to that. The shepherds were given an opportunity, just like us, to respond to Jesus, okay? And, and I love that idea of behold. It's something that's grabbing your attention. It's something that's captivating you. I told you last week, it's an earnest look that demands a response. If I shout and say, behold, and I point, you're going to look in the direction I'm pointing, Correct? Behold. Every look, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's going to happen, you know, because it's demanding a response. And these angels are coming, and they're saying, behold, and it's giving forth this, this opportunity to the shepherds to do something with the word that is being presented. And I told you last week that old English, beholden, literally where we get the word behold, it means to, to grab a hold of, to take hold of thoroughly, to, to behold something. And so, man, there is something. There's an opportunity for me. There's something. There's, there's one that demands my captive attention. There's one that demands my focus. Behold, there's a child. Man, these shepherds, they get a hold of that. I told you last week, for every behold, there should be a response. By the end of this talk today, this sermon today, we're going to give you some beholds when it comes to who Jesus is. And we're going to go back into worship, and I'm just asking that the Lord would just show up in such a significant way as we worship him, that, that, that as we respond to who he is, that there'll be an encounter with his presence. Amen? He's going to show up in this place. Amen? In, in, in Luke 2, I know he'll show up because in Luke 2, 13 through 14, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. That sounds like worship. Glory to God. Peace on earth, goodwill toward man. That peace, that provision of God, that sounds like a promise. I feel like we walk more in the promises of God when we have worshipful hearts. Amen? When we have hearts that are full of thanksgiving, we have hearts that are full of honor and worship and focus on him, I feel like we set ourselves up to receive a whole lot more than when we are nose down in our work, not looking up, not paying attention, not have an interaction, if you will, with the Lord on a daily basis, getting lost in that, getting drowned by the minutia of the day. And so it says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, that promise. And then you see a suddenly that comes, you know, this, this vision showing up. And every one of us, just like the shepherds, every one of us are given an opportunity to respond to who Jesus is. Every single one of us in this room, you have that opportunity. Some in this room, you have made a decision to respond to the degree that he is Lord of your life. I told you last week, I'm not saying Savior of your life. I said, Lord of your life. Well, pastor, he's the same. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, he should be, 
If he's Savior, he should be Lord, huh? Right? But so often, man, we're so thankful for his salvation. But when he puts his finger on something in our life and challenges us to walk in that, then we pull the grace card. Come on, somebody. Well, God, I can do it anyhow, and your grace is sufficient. How many know his grace is sufficient? But he's also Lord. He's leader of my life. And an act of worship is saying, I will submit my decision in this moment to your leadership. That's powerful. You get a people that will begin to press into that, God will do some amazing things amongst that group of people. Amen? And I'm not talking about legalism. If we get legalistic, we'll start looking down our righteous noses of indignation at people, and we'll miss everything God wants for us as a church. Amen? So I'm not speaking of legalism, but I'm saying hearts that are truly worshipfully engaged with the Lord. Hearts that appreciate that he is Savior. I thank God that he has saved me, but you are my Lord, and you will lead me. And so with that, I'll submit and I'll exalt. I'll submit my will and I'll exalt your will. I'll submit my desires and I'll exalt your desires. Amen? Sounds like worship, doesn't it? Humility and worship. Amen? And that's what God's calling us to as a church. If he's going to set us up for where he's taking us in 2019, he's calling us as a movement, as a ministry, to be worshipers. Where every life, every moment, every day, every decision, we're thinking through the lens of worship. Am I elevating God in this moment? Or is this something to where I'm saying, God, I will reign on the heart, the throne of my heart right now. I want us to be a house full of worshipers. God just, he uses that so powerfully when we have a submitted heart to him. Here's the thing, listen, the goodness of God was declared over these shepherds and they had a choice. In that moment, that night, they're doing their job. This is what they do. They, they, they shep. I don't know what shepherds do. They shep. I don't think that's the word, right? But they're doing their, their, their herding. They're taking care of these sheep. And here comes this opportunity. And in that evening, they could have just stayed and continued to do what they have always done. They had a choice to go on like nothing ever happened. Or they had a choice to chase after what God was doing in that moment. I mean, I believe that God wants us as his followers to be chased. Do you believe you serve an active God? A God that's on the move. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God's always doing something. There's always, if you will, kind of a prophetic edge. Something that God is doing in the moment, in your heart, in your life, in your church, in your family. And that idea of saying, no, I don't want to just continue to go on with the status quo, what I've always done. God, you're showing up with the promise. I'm chasing that. I'm coming after that. I want to see that for myself. And these shepherds had an opportunity in verse 15 of chapter 2, Luke, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It wasn't enough that we heard about it. We want to go see it too. Amen? Don't you like that? It's not enough that we hear. We want to see. The shepherds' response to the word about Jesus, it stirred them to pursue the person of Jesus. I want to slow down. Their response to the word about him, there's one that is born. You got to go check this out. Their response to the word about him caused them to pursue the person of him. Amen? And, and I, all I want to say is a heart full of worship, us as a church having a heart full of worship, we won't be satisfied hearing about Jesus. We'll want to find and walk with Jesus. 
We won't be satisfied hearing what Jesus used to do, hearing stories of how he was a healer, you know, and he did great signs and wonders, you know, did amazing things. Man, we hear that and we're like, he can do amazing things now. I'm going to chase after him. I'm going to go after him, pursue him. I'm not satisfied staying on this hillside. I'm going to get to the city of Bethlehem and see this for myself. Amen. And I believe there's some promises of God that's over this house that if we'll go after God like worshipers go after God, we'll start to see the person of Jesus show up in this place and not just hear about the things Jesus can do. Amen? But here, listen, here's the, here's the rub. Some people's minds are so captivated by lesser things that they have no capacity to receive what God is about to do next. So many lesser things have our attention. So many lesser things has grabbed a hold of our, our hearts, our minds, our focus, our finances, our, our decisions, whatever it might be, our, our desires. So many lesser things are so captivating. And when it comes to what Jesus is and who he is and what he wants to do, sometimes that just gets relegated to Sunday. And that's why we call Sunday service a worship service. I'll leave my worship at 659 Arnold Mill Road. God say, no, go to Bethlehem this week. Get a taste for it here, and then go see for yourself this week who this wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father is. Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I just do... So suddenly, God is showing up. There's this power that's coming. The, the word is coming over the, she, the, sheep, the shepherds. They have a choice to stay, or they can go check this out for themselves. God wants to show them, I'm about to do more. And they go pursuit in pursuit. Some people can see God do a thing. This is a crazy thing. They're seeing angels. If you see angels, you think it's going to change the way you live, right? Yeah, they're seeing angels. But some people can see God do a thing, and their minds are on so many other things that that's where their worship ends. Their worship ends going, whoo, that was a great service. Man, we sure had church. Man, did you hear Mary sing? That was, oh my gosh, Pastor Corey had a sport coat on. Whoo, you knew it had to be a God day. He had a, what in the world? You know? And, and you can experience something grand, powerful, amazing in the things of the Lord in the house of God, and that's where it ends. And we don't chase after God the rest of the week, you know. We go waiting for the worship service. Man, I just, I'm, I'm praying that in 2019, God's going to place a hunger in his people in this house that we go after Jesus. We go after a, a relationship with him, and we pursue him and who he is and what he desires to do in and through our lives. Not just be satisfied with, ooh, we sure had, we sure had church. It blows my mind. I have met people that have come, and like they'll just be like raving. Oh my gosh, the music's so good. You know, the preaching's incredible. <laughs> okay, maybe not so much. Maybe not so. No. But they'll just be raving about the day, you know. Um, prophetic things. I can't tell you how many times somebody, man, that was a word for me. God spoke that. I don't think you realized. And like a prophetic word went to them or a word of knowledge went. And, and check this. You ready for this? Not see them again for six weeks. I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that to keep butts in the seat. I'm just flabbergasted. 
You know, it's like, hey, the angels are singing. Look what I'm going to do. And he begins to speak a word. Go check it out deeper. Don't be satisfied hearing about Jesus. Go pursue the person of Jesus. And we see him six weeks later. And everything's captivated their mind in those six weeks. I'm not saying they're visiting other churches. This is their home church. This is the house of God they fellowship in. If you call every six weeks fellowship, you know. And it just it blows my mind. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know how to counteract that. I don't. Only thing I know is to, to, to create an environment where we see Jesus show up in a powerful way. And we can all get a taste for who he is and what he desires to do with us to the degree that nothing else satisfies. That nothing else can captivate our attention. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm telling you we're going to find it. Amen? We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to move toward Jesus not just on Sunday, but what it looks like to, to walk with him. Listen to this. I love it because the shepherds hear this behold from the angels. And I'm sure if you had angels saying behold, they'd probably catch your attention too. But the shepherds hear behold, and I can almost hear the shepherds saying, you have my attention. And, you know, it's like you have our attention. And, and I just want that, that when Jesus is doing something, whether it's in church or on Tuesday, he says to you, do this or don't do this. You have a response of, behold, you have my attention. That's the start of worship. Amen. Everybody say that. Say, you have my attention. Say it again. You have my attention. Yeah, yeah. I love that, you know. And, and the thing about it is, those angels, they're saying, behold, and they begin to declare who Jesus is. And, and I just want to say here today, behold, Jesus is still a healer. And if you're here this morning, you ought to say, I need healing. You have my attention. Behold, Jesus is a deliverer. And if you're here this morning bound to something, you can hear that and say, you have my attention. Jesus is still one that sets captives free. You have my attention. Jesus is still a comforter. Pastor, I hear that word. You have my attention. What do I need to do? Go after him in worship. Jesus is a baptizer. Well, what do you mean? He cleanses us of our unrighteous thing. Amen? Penance. He's a baptizer, and we see baptism of water, and that's a powerful thing. Amen? You have my attention. How about this? He's a baptizer in fire, too. Amen? He baptizes with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And you hear that, and you're going, fire? What is that? That's a promise for you. That's what that is. Do you want to just hear about it, or do you want to pursue the person who is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Do you see the difference? And what worship will do, worship will establish your heart in such a way that you're pursuing the person not satisfied with just hearing about it. I adore Amy. You're adorable today. Stand up. Let her, no, I'm teasing. No, don't do that. She will smack me. She's so cute today. And, and I adore her. And it's, in some ways, there's some worship there, right? You know, It's one of those things where it wouldn't have been enough just to have heard about her. You know, I want to know her. It's not enough just to, to hear about the person that is Amy, as amazing as she is. I wanted to experience the person that is Amy. I wanted to set my affections, my heart toward her. Amen? And she's so lucky that I did. No, I'm so blessed that I did. I got to walk in more because of that pursuit. 
you know? Same way with Jesus. Here's this gift, and the shepherds hear about him, and they don't just stay there with the sheep. They begin to pursue who Jesus was. The shepherds, they said upon hearing that, let's go over. And, 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 and I think I already read that scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said one another, one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They begin to go. And, and so they went there, and the scripture teaches us that they shared with Mary what they had seen, what they had experienced. And then it gets down here to verse 20, and it says, and the shepherds returned. So they're going back to the sheepfold. They're going back to their hill where the sheep are. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Listen, here's the correct response when it comes to worship, okay? The continuation of their worship was the correct response that the, the shepherds had of Jesus. It wasn't, ooh, we had an experience. We saw angels. We went. We told the story. They leave, and they can't keep who Jesus is out of their mouths, they can't keep glorifying and praising him. It's just, it's just such a part of, of who they are now. I have a feeling that they never change. I have a feeling every time they were on that hillside at night, they could picture those angels coming again and see that child. And they begin to hear stories as years pass. They know that's that Jesus. That's in Galilee starting to do works, signs, wonders, miracles. And they know that's that Jesus. That's the one that we saw and knew. Nothing could ever be the same. They continued in glorifying God. And I believe for us, a true worshiper continues in their worship. It, it can't just be worship and then it ends and we go back to work. It can't be. Work symbolizes our everyday life. For them, they went back, but they went back glorifying. They went back praising. And I want to challenge us every day that we are worshipers and we're workers. Amen? We're worshipers and we're workers. We're about our everyday lives. We're not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Amen? But we're heavenly minded of such that we're in pursuit of Jesus. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. There are those who at times can go days, weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Statistically speaking, in our day and age, four to six weeks, one time a month, one time, four to six weeks, attending a church service is the average evangelical in America, all right? I'd love to say they're having their own private lives with Jesus. I'd love to say that. Statistically, they're not. So what happens is, after a few days of leaving church, the worship stops, the focus stops, the attention stops, the, the fixation on who Jesus is and his will stops. And you know what? You don't know a person very well if you don't talk to them. Think how quickly you forget people when you stop fellowshipping with them. People have forgotten Jesus in their daily lives because they don't pursue Jesus in their daily life. Amen? It's just true. It's just true. Worship causes us, like the shepherds, to go back to work, continuing to glorify, continuing to praise. In other words, I can't be the same anymore. You know? I, Danny's a worshiping mechanic, owns two car places that are honest. You know why they're honest? Because he's a worshiper. Amen? We have worshiping plumbers here. We have worshiping IT guys here. You go back to work. We have worshiping teachers here. You know, you gotta be a worshiping teacher. You'll kill some children, right, Susan? She's like, I would have killed some children in those years. Yes, you know. So we go back to work, but our minds are on Jesus and our decisions and our actions. And all of those 
are, are, to me, I look at those as mitzvot. I look at those as spiritual acts, if you will, of the law. Practices that say, I am less and you are more. You are first and I am second. Your will before my will. Amen? That's powerful. But we don't look at that as evangelical Pentecostal Protestants. We look at grace, 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 and I get that. But God wants us to have a sense of government in our lives. You are leader and I am not. And when I walk in your government and I submit as a worshiper, I can expect your glory. Well, pastor, are you saying this just so you get the stuff of God? No, I'm just saying God wants to be seen in the earth and he is seen by people who worship him and through that connection that begins to happen in their lives and God begins to pour out and Jesus is seen, amen? So continuing in our worship is that proper response. Our proper response to Jesus, <coughs> we can see from these shepherds, they started with worship, they stayed close to what God was doing, they went on to Bethlehem, and when it was done, they continued in worship, continue to live like Jesus. How can we encounter the miracle that Jesus is and then continue to live like he's not? That's, that's the, the real crux because you'll worship the one you believe in. You'll worship the one you serve. You'll worship the one that's the leader. You'll worship the one that you follow. I don't know if it's called worship, if it's anything less. I think it's called singing, if it's anything less. I think it's called church attendance, if it's anything less. But when you know the miracle that is Jesus, it changes everything in how you live your life. It can't do anything but that. Amen? And so how we plan to live our life in light of who Jesus is, is just an incredibly important thing. I'm going to walk down real quick four things as we go to worship. The band's coming back up here in a moment. The first thing we saw in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, was that he was wonderful counselor. Amen? Wonderful. And I just want, to, I want everybody to say, say, behold, he is wonderful counselor. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful just means that he's too good for words even. He's beyond understanding. Too amazing for words. You have a young couple. I had a young couple in my office yesterday doing premarital counseling. And I looked to the young man and I said, tell me what characteristics about this young lady makes you want to spend the rest of your life with her. And he's like, he was barely speaking English. I thought he was speaking in tongues. He, he could not get the words to form in his mouth, you know? Why? Because she's so wonderful. She's beyond understanding. I finally helped him. He finally said some things that were made sense, you know? And she's just gushing. She's gushing. It comes down to Jesus. He is wonderful counselor. So he's beyond understanding. He's too amazing for words. He's also a counselor. He's one that advises us. He's one that guides us. He knows you and he understands you. And he speaks from a place of sympathy because he is a sympathetic leader. He's been in our shoes yet without sin. Hebrews 4 says in verse 15 and 16, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in times of need. Because he's so wonderful, because he's so sympathetic and understands what we've been through, he has a heart to understand your pain. He understands your hurt. Yes, he understands the pressures of your life. When you say, but pastor, you don't understand, you might be right, but he does. Amen? Because he is wonderful. Everybody say wonderful counselor. 
So I ask you today, where are, where, are, where are you sick? Are you sick? Are you hurting? Is there something today that your weakness is with? You can share. He is wonderful counselor. A counselor is one you can share your weaknesses with. You can share your vulnerabilities with. And they don't take advantage of those things. He is sympathetic. He is caring. And the holidays that we're in, they have a way of magnifying our hurts and magnifying our pains, don't they? They do. Depression increases during the holidays. Fear, stress both financial and, and, and your time is strained and brings stress, loneliness, your, your family during holidays. Oi, I mean, they can, you know what I'm saying? Like, they can drive you crazy Uncle Ed. I mean, come on, somebody, you know. He's got a camper outside your house, and he's, no, that's a different story. So, but that's the thing. When it comes down to it, it's a season when things can get crazy, but he's a wonderful, everybody shout, he's a wonderful counselor. And healing can come because he's a wonderful counselor. And that child was sympathetic. That baby in a manger grew to be a man, faced the same things that we faced. That's why he's such a good counselor. He was sympathetic. There were so many similarities. Similarities like he cried. Jesus soiled his swaddling clothes, if you will, right? Guess what? Teenage Jesus got zits. Do you believe that? He probably did. But that's where the similarities end. Right there. Because on his mama's side, this child was birthed through the womb of a young Jewish girl. But on his daddy's side, he was born of a virgin. On his mama's side, he was one that came into this earth very much like man. But on his daddy's side, he came in this earth king of kings and lord of lords. Yes, there is sympathy for you because he understands. But on his daddy's side, the scripture goes on and tells us he is mighty God. Amen? So everybody say, behold, he is mighty God. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He comes and he brings strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 40, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fail, but those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. Why? Because he is mighty God. We saw in scripture, he is everlasting father. Shout behold. He is everlasting father. And when I say father, for some that, that can kind of choke you up a little bit. Because maybe your father wasn't such a great man, you know. But we see he's everlasting father. Not a father who is never satisfied. That may have been your case with your dad. Not a father who is always angry. That may have been a case. But we have a father who is compassionate and everlasting father. He says things like this. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That, that's a loving father, an everlasting father. Amen. Let's finish with this and just go back into worship. Shout behold. He is prince of peace. Yeah, let's stand to our feet. He is prince of peace. Of peace. The word prince is Sar, S A R, Sar. He is Sar Shalom. He is the prince of peace. That Sar, he is the one in charge. That's why I'm saying your worship of him as Savior is good, but you've got to have him as Lord if you call it true worship because he is Sar. He is the one in charge. We get the word Zar, C Z A R. We get that word from this word czar, all right? That idea of a czar, somebody that is a, 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 a in charge, you know? And so this is one that is in charge. And what's he in charge of? He's in charge of peace. He's the czar shalom. 
He brings rest. He brings tranquility. He brings wholeness. He brings completeness. Everybody say, Sar Shalom. Yeah, I love that. It's just such a beautiful thing to hear. Sar Shalom, the, the, the God of peace, the Prince of Peace. He's the czar of peace. He's the captain of rest. He's the chief of wholeness. He's the general of tranquility. He's the Lord of contentment. But I want you to hear clearly those words, captain, chief, Lord, general. He is leader and you are not. It's not worship until you realize that. Amen? Is he that authoritarian? No, no, it's a fellowship. It's a relationship. It's beautiful. But he is not your homeboy. He is Lord of lords. And he is king of kings. And it's a beautiful relationship where we submit our leadership to him. And he leads us and guides us. And when it comes to this idea of peace, we need it. We live in an era and a time when peace is so easily robbed. How would you describe your normal state of, of being mentally? Is it at peace? Is it very peaceful, mostly peaceful, occasionally stressed? But listen, charts, anxious, off the charts, high strong, I don't know. But listen, that peace comes to us, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And he says, don't be anxious about anything but everything. Just give it to God in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Amen? One last verse, Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, you've been brought near through the blood of Jesus. For Christ himself is our peace. He's a miracle. How can we treat him as anything but? Amen? Babe in a manger? King of kings in a manger? What a miracle. The angels declared he was a miracle. How could we not pursue him? How could we not leave that moment and continue in our worship? How could we be satisfied showing up on a Sunday? And that's where our faith ends. Let's sing with everything we have as we listen. This is kind of a new song. It's called Behold. Just take these words in and let's turn it toward worship this holiday season, this Christmas season. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.